It's so good to see you, as I said. And uh, for those who don't know, my name is Sean Booth, and I'm a pastor here, along with my wife, Gillian. And, uh, you know, in this last 12 months, it's, it's been quite, as, as pastors, as leaders, and I know for you, as, you know, uh, within your place of work, within your home and community, you know, the, the last year, we've never gone through anything like it before. The previous year and a half of going through COVID and then coming out of that and navigating, what does it look like? You know, life again within community. What does it look like to sing again without a mask on? What does it look like? You know, all these things that we've never thought in our history of our lives, questions that we'd ever ask. And as a pastor, you know, coming back to church and bringing people back in and navigating that and using wisdom and discernment, and you've got a group over here that believe this and a group over here believe that, and uniting people. And that's why this series is so important, that we are together. We may have different philosophies, we've made different politics and different ways of doing things, but ultimately, as we gather as the church, we are one. We are united. And for myself and my wife, Gillian, and in the middle of all this, we had our, our fourth son, and she uh, suffered some very severe health uh, uh, problems with related to the pregnancy and then uh, and in the last couple of months just see us as a church parents uh you know son daughter everything and so in in the last couple of months we've been talking about with our leadership just in terms of us feeling physically emotionally spiritually mentally all the things just feeling a little bit depleted and so we've decided that we're going to take a sabbatical and um, the sabbatical actually starts tomorrow morning no less <laughs> I know I'm not giving you a lot of time and telling you what, we've been planning and preparing it. I have told some people privately, and we had our core team meeting last week, and I shared that news also with everyone. And we're just taking the opportunity as the church is at the healthiest place than it's ever been before. This time last year, we've, it was myself, it was Blake, and it was Rahul, and Paulina, and Katie, and that was it. <laughs> that was our team. And now we are just so blessed from strength to strength. Have all of you, have all of our teams, have everyone. And it's just so strong and so healthy. We're also blessed to have uh, pastors Kieran and Tracy. Would you stand up for a second? Kieran and Tracy Buckley, we're here. Uh, who are going to be with us for the entire summer. You may take your seats for the entire summer, along with some of our team from D24 Church as well, who is going to get launched in October of this year. It's great to have you guys all with us as well. It's going to be We've got uh, Pastor Brian Somerville, who many of you will know, who taught last week. And we've got Pastor Johnny Mullen and, you know, so many people within our team. Our team has just expanded and grown. We have one church, three locations. We have 20 people on our team that work during the week. And so we're just taking the opportunity to go and refresh, be a little bit revived, and, and just come back healthy strong as we get ready here in Dublin, going to purchase our own home, our own building, our own permanent place. And so I just want to share that with you and know that the church is going to continue in strength. That's the great thing. Church is not about our pastor. Is a pastor important? Yes, of course, to lead and navigate and direct and counsel and be there for other people. But it's not about one or two people. It's about the church. It's not about... Um, a church is not built on the shoulders of a few, but on the sacrifice of many, all of us together. And so just ask that you pray for us as a couple, uh, as parents, as many people ask the question, 
are you bringing your children with you as if it's an option? <laughs> yes, we are. And it's going to be great in Jesus' name. <laughs> and they'll all come home in Jesus' name with us and survive. Um, but uh, just ask that you pray for us, pray for refreshment and pray for the church. And we just, we really are excited. We are confident. I've never left the church longer than two weeks. We're just confident. God's got his church. He's looking after his people. And we are going to go from strength to strength. So thank you all so much, guys. We appreciate it. Well, I, I, as I said, we're continuing this series called Together. As I just fixed the back of my neck. Called Together as we're walking through the book of Ephesians. And we're looking at the Apostle Paul, or St. Paul, as many knows him. Um, as writing this to the church in Ephesus about us as Christians and all that we've received through Christ, but also have Christians operate within the context of community that we call the church. And so today we're going to go through the book, uh, uh, chapter four. If you've got your Bibles, love for you to turn with me there. If you have it on your phone, turn it there also, just so you can read through privately as well as the scripture beyond the screen. And uh, last week we had Brian Somerville spoke on this scripture from a different perspective that I'm going to look at today, it's a large portion of scripture from verses 1 right through to 16. And I want to go through it slowly. And I love the Bible. It's why God called me to preach. Because I love that it's, it's, it's edifying. It's to build us up. But also, it's not just words to read um, you know, just to get through, but to take your time to ask the question as you read. What did he mean when he was saying those words as the Holy Spirit spoke through him? But what does this mean for me? Like, th this is not just a Sunday sermon to tickle your ears. This is for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right through the entire week for you and where you are in your season, in your role. So as we jump in, verse one, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul is writing from prison in Rome as he's been imprisoned for fulfilling his calling, for living out his calling. Here we see he's in this dire circumstance, but from this place he's encouraging, continued to fulfill the calling which God has given to him, which was to plant churches, raise leaders, and build up the church. But he also says that the calling that we have received. You may not know, but you have received a calling. You, you, you've been given a calling. It, it's specific to you and your makeup and your personality and your season and your, the timing on which God gives that to you, but you have been given a calling. Listen to what he says. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It's harder to say and it's very hard to even understand what he's saying and which we will go through in a moment. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the 
prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. I want to speak to you on the title today, Finding Fulfillment. Finding Fulfillment. As each part, you, as you are a part of the body, the body of Christ, that you would discover the calling of God but this is what I believe is so important. It's not just to ask the question, as I believe that many of us have been asking from you know, the day that we came to consciousness and had the opportunity to look around and to ask, as we all ask, you know, what has God created me for? Why am I here? The oldest question that's ever asked and for many has never been answered. But what I want to bring to you today is not just the question of asking, why am I here, or how do I discover my calling, but more importantly, how do I fulfill my calling? How do I find fulfillment? How do I live out my calling in such a way where I experience fulfillment, joy, contentment, peace? How do I not only discover what God has created me for, but how do I operate in what he has given me? How do I fulfill that which he has blessed me with? How do I become who God is calling me to be by being who I am today and walking and fulfilling that to which he has called me for? And I want to share with you three st things that we need in order to find fulfillment and really fulfill our calling that I want to share with you based on this scripture. You're going to break it up into three nice, simple elements. You're going to be like, boom, I understand this whole scripture. Let's go. So the first thing we need is we need character in our calling. Character in our calling. And I say this in list of priority. Without character, it does not matter what you fulfill in your life. Without character, it, how you build it is more important than what you build. How you journey through this life is more important than the destination that you get to. Because how you build it, as quick as you may have built it, as quick as it can fall. If you build your life upon a house of cards, it will crumble and fall. And Paul says, verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received to live our life worthy to the Lord with character. As we read through chapter 1, 2, and 3, we see that Paul, he begins firstly saying that you've been chosen by God. You are loved by God. He's given you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to receive every heavenly blessing that you've been given through Christ. Not only that, you once used to follow the ways of the world, but now you've been saved by grace through faith. 
Not only that, you've been created for purpose. Why? All because of the limitless love of God who wants to fulfill in you more than you could ask, dream, or imagine. That's chapters 1, 2, and 3. But as we go through this journey of maturing in our faith, we also need to, as Paul brings the importance to, understand how to live a life worthy of our calling. Here, Paul gives to us five characteristics, very similar to the, characteristics, the, the gifts of the Spirit that he gives us in Galatians chapter 5. Firstly, he says, be humble. Be humble. Not a message that you hear today quite often. It's not a great slogan. Be humble. No. Be yourself. Yourself who is oftentimes prideful. You need to push yourself upon others. If you want to be great, well, then you have to be great. You have to accomplish great things. You have to become what other people enjoy and want you to become. But he says, no, be humble. Be humble is not to think of yourself less. It's to think of yourself less often. Think more higher of God. Be humble. Be gentle. Have a gentleness about you in spirit and truth. Be, be patient. It says, bear with one another in love. This is our relationship with one another. Have you ever said, which I know you have, I just can't bear them. Anyone ever said that? <laughs> well, I just can't bear to be with them. Can't even bear the sight of them. It's struggle to even look at them. I just can't bear them. Paul says, you're to posture yourself with, in love. You may not be able to bear them, but God's called you to be with them, to bear with them, one another in love, humbly, patiently, gently. And fifth characteristic is be united together in peace. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In verses 4 to 6, then he reaffirms the why, why we do this, why we live this way towards one another. For he says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What is he describing? The church, us. We are one. We are united. We are together, one spirit, one body. Not competing with one another. Not comparing with one another. But being together. The original Greek word used for church, it is ecclesia. And when you translate the word ecclesia into the English language, it means the called out ones. What is the church? What does it mean? Is the church a tabernacle or temple where people come, you know, where they enter into the presence of God? Is the church one in which you struggle to separate from the state because all of a sudden, you know, it's got certain laws and legalisms according to it that you need to live in religion? Is the church about these people who are higher and more holier than thou? No, the church is the called out ones. Called out of what? Called out of sin. And darkness, called out of hopelessness and called to hope. The church is the people who are not higher than, but live their lives in such a way with character, with integrity. To lead the way, to pioneer the way, not out of judgment, but out of grace. Not out of legalism, but out of love. He's called us to live in such a way where we are above reproach. 
that there's a separation. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not called to judge the world. We're called to love the world. We're not called to use our voice to condemn or to use our voice to build up others. We're to call out ones. We need to be people of character and to live our lives in such a way where we are living it worthy of the call of God. Here's the second thing that we need. We need grace to grow in our gifting. We need grace, God's grace. He's abundant grace to grow in our gifting. Grace is something you do not deserve. Grace is something you cannot earn. Grace is something that you cannot make up. It is only given, and God says it is freely given. Verse 7 and 8 says, to each one of us, there has been a certain grace that Christ has apportioned. To some has been given little, and to some has been given much. The amount is not what's important. The stewardship is what is important. How you steward that which God has given you will determine how much more you receive. With little, there is much responsibility, and where little has been given, much more will be apportioned. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. The grace of God that we receive is given to us to be able to enable us to do what he has called us to do, but also the giftings that he has given you are to equip you to do that which he has called you to do. We need God's grace and we need the giftings that he's placed on our lives. The grace enables us, but the gifting equips us. No two people are the same. No two callings are the same. No two individuals called by God are called to live on the same path at the same time in the same season. He's called each of us for a specific purpose. Understanding how we were made helps us to discover what we were made to do. It's in our design that we discover our destiny. No two, me and Blake, who is leading us in worship today, are two very, very different individuals. He has a certain gifting on his life as a husband, as a father as a friend, as a singer. Now, I think I'm as good at singing than him in my head, but you will disagree with me, okay? Because his gifting is different than my gifting. Is his singing different from how he loves his wife or greater than? No, of course not. Just because it's done in private does not mean it's any more importance than what is done in public. But no matter how gifted I may be without the grace of God, it's all for nothing. It's only because of his grace that I get to do what I do. Who knows this? I need more grace in my life. I need more of God's grace in my life to do what he's called me to do, to understand and fulfill the potential to my maximum capability. And why I believe this message is so incredibly crucial. We say open arms, life-giving, life-changing. This will change your life. Why? Because it's not just for your spiritual life. It's for your entire life. And we see in chapter 3, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask, think, or imagine. I I believe that God has called me to more. He's called me to more. 
influence, more responsibility, more impact to make, more, whatever that more is that God is calling you, dreams to fulfill, desires to see come to pass, more within your career, more within your family, more within your relationships. But at the same time, in our today, it can feel like we are suffocated with the stress of life. Anyone else feel like that? You know, recently I chatted to a couple they are uh, expecting their first baby and, you know, going through all that, you know, how far you gone, the joy and talking about what it's going to be like. And it was this way for me, you know, might be this way for you. And I, I, a few months in, had the baby, everything was great. And I met them. I said, so how are they sleeping for you? And they said, oh, amazing. It, they're perfect. <laughs> this is far easier than we thought it was going to be. And I just laughed inside. <sighs> I hope it goes well for you. <laughs> Four kids in, they, they ain't perfect, right? <laughs> they don't keep sleeping even when you think they're going to keep sleeping. A few months go by, I meet two of the most straggled, depleted, down, <laughs> depressed, sleepless people I've ever met. And they say, I ask them, so how are they sleeping for you? They say, we're dying. <laughs> we are dying. <laughs> I said, don't worry. You'll learn how to live tired. Right? It's not going to get better. You'll learn how to live tired. But here's what's important. You'll grow into it. You know, ever say that to anyone before? Don't worry. You'll grow into it. God will give you the grace to grow in the gifting so that you'll be able to fulfill that which he has called you to as a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a colleague, or an employee, or an employer, or as a business manager, someone who's responsible for great, someone who's managing little, as a, as a son or a daughter, as a friend, whatever it is that God has called you, and all of us have different roles and callings within our life at certain times and certain seasons, but if you would lean on the grace of God, he will give you the grace to not only fulfill your calling, but to grow your capacity, to grow your capacity. Is there times where we will be stressed, maxed out, depleted, overwhelmed? Yes. But that is not what God has called us to. He's a good God. He's a good father. Many of us today on Father's Day may be celebrating some bad fathers. And some fathers who were there or weren't there. But he's a good father. And he says, I will give good gifts to my children. The gift that he's given you, he gives also with grace. It's, he's not called. It's how we view God will impact how we view the world and how we view our lives. Is if we believe that he's called us because he wants us to do more. And we have to be a good person. I have to get good things. And I have to live my life in such a way that I'm going on this journey. I'm going to fulfill everything. No. He loves us. He's a gracious God. He's a good God. And from this place, I serve him. We live within this tension because we know that we're, we're stressed right now, and yet he's called me for more. And it's a tension that all of us live with. And within this tension, there was 
one principle that I lived by in my life that only now, as I mature in my faith and mature in my experiences that I've come to realize is not true. And it's, a, it's actually a principle that I've heard spoken to uh, much in church and among Christians, and it's, it's this. God won't give you what he doesn't give you the grace for. God won't call you into what he hasn't already given you the grace for. And as I've matured in life, and I still am, I've come to the realization that theory and practice are two very, very different things. That sounds great. God won't give you the God won't call you to do what he won't give you the grace for. But the reality is this, is God often calls you beyond yourselves. God often calls you to a place of stretching that can be stressful, that can be overwhelming. Talk about going from two single people to parents where like you think like this is criminal how they give you this baby and just let you leave without any instructions. Two single people becoming husband and wife. Are you getting that promotion and stepping into your career and stepping into the place of the unknown and the uncertain and the uncomfortable? Are you him calling you maybe to go back to college, or calling you to step out and risk and, and, and in faith, he, he calls you beyond yourself so that he can build something new within you, so that he can grow your gifting, so that he can stretch your capacity, so that he can build you in such a way that you know it's not anything got to do with me. It's only for the grace of God Amen. to come to that place where we relied on ourselves we relied on our, on our own provision. And then we step out into the unknown, the uncomfortable as what? We live in this place. God, I need you. I, I can't depend on myself. I can only depend on you. And you become closer to the Lord than ever before. And he experiences supernatural grace than ever before. And here's what's really important. When we get to this place, when we step into the unknown, the uncomfortable, stretch beyond ourselves, when we step into that, as we mature, we look back and say, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the stress and the disappointment and the heartache and the trauma and the, the desire just to give up and the forfeit, and yet I held on to the grace of God and I kept going and I kept walking and I kept fulfilling. You, you say this, you have this testimony. Thank God that he brought me through. Because I wouldn't be fulfilling his calling if it wasn't for that. I would be who I am if I hadn't gone through that. You know, I, I've been in this myself. I'm speaking this from a very real place. I, I've been in this place where I've been like asking of God the question, am I able? Have you ever asked that question? Because it doesn't feel like it. Doesn't, I don't feel able at times. I got, you, know that, you know that tiredness that you get, that sleep does not you know, be sufficient? You just feel it weary, exhausted, feeling outside of your capability, outside of your capacity. And I've been coming to God and asking, God, am I Ava? I've been asking wise counsel, you know, should I be doing this or this? And asking and talking to my wife, uh, who God speaks to first at all times. And that's a joke. And... Um, 
asking and asking that question as a, as a, as a pastor of a large church in two locations and, uh, you know, leading a large team and a husband, a father, four little kids and, uh, you know, also looking forward to getting our own permanent home and dealing with, you know, building project of millions of yours, all these things, feeling outside of my capacity and asking God, am I able? And after that time and that period, I've come to the conclusion that yes, I am able. I am able. Why? Because God has called me. And if he has called me, he will give me the grace to fulfill my calling. If he was calling, called me, he will stretch my capacity. And I say that really to instill confidence in you because I know that there are so many of you that you are questioning God and you're questioning your ability. Am I able? Am I really able? Like, is this for me? You know, more now than ever before, we, we live with this mindset in our world, particularly in our professional lives. If it's hard, well, then maybe it's not the right thing. And I give up and I go to something else. You may be in that place where you're questioning God, asking, like, have I got the capacity? Have I got the ability? Am I really called to this? And I want to encourage you, and I'm not giving the answer yes, no, or maybe each person in their own season of life, the answer is different. But I want to encourage you, call out to God. Cry out to Him. Lean into Him and say, God, I need you. I need you. I have such utter and urgent dependence on you. Speak to me. Reveal to me exactly that which you have called me to do. And when you receive the calling of God, you know he's going to give you the grace. And you may feel all of those feelings outside of your capacity, but if you just keep walking and leaning on him, he'll grow your gifting and he'll grow your capacity. And you will look back and say, if it wasn't for that, have I not gone through that? Have I not stayed with him, I wouldn't be who I am today. And here's the third and final point. Jody's going to help me. Third and final point is we need unity and maturity in our faith. Unity and maturity in our faith. We need character in our calling. Without character, it cannot take one more step forward. It always comes back to you. Grace to grow in our gifting. It is a growth. God's not called us to perfection, but to progress. It's a journey. It's a relationship. We walk with God. You're walking, you're going somewhere. You're walking with Him. But the third and final thing is unity and maturity in our faith. And he says in verse 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. This is known as the five-fold ministry. This is the five roles of full-time ministry. And here in no way is there certain certain pedestal that there's full-time ministry and everyone else. No, it's one. It's together. We, we operate and work together. And what he says is this, that he's given 
these certain gifts that is given to certain people for full-time ministry to equip his people, the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones for works of service. For works of service. What does this mean? Is that the works of service that we do privately and publicly at home and in work, they matter. They make a difference. They make an impact. That is the ministry that God has called us to, to equip his people for works of service to do what? So that the body of Christ may be built up. It's spiritual. It's professional at times. It's relational at times. It's private at times. It's in the hidden, in the secret. But still in that place, the faithfulness of us and the grace of God together builds up the body of Christ builds us up. Why? Verse 13, until, this is the pursuit, the aspiration that we go towards until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we read in Ephesians 3.19, that we'll be filled up to the measure of fullness, overflowing, full of Christ. Verse 14 says, then we will be no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Listen to that description. There's three words. Cunning, crafty, scheming. Three words used to describe Satan. They're used to describe the enemy. He's cunning, crafty, he's scheming. Yet Paul uses these words to describe people. What's he talking about here? He's really talking about us. Us as humans within the world. Us, as he says in Ephesians chapter 2, that when we follow the ways of the world in sin and in darkness, we ourselves, like others, were crafty, cunning, scheming. You see, as Christians, he's called us to be in the world, but not be of the world. He's called us to have unity and maturity in the faith. What does that mean? A knowledge of the Word of God. That you know your Bible. That you're not waiting for the interpretation of the world. Okay, what is it that we believe now? What is it that we believe about gender, sexuality? What, what is it that we believe about the makeup and the way that we were made and how we to live our life? What does it mean now about a monogamous relationship? That no, what you feel and how you feel it and how you should do Well, that's the way that you should do now. What do we believe about politics and government and the power that we give to certain individuals and corporate bodies? No, what does the Bible say and how am I growing in unity? For the Bible is one to be read and interpreted in unity and maturity in my faith that I'm able to discern craftiness able to discern what's right and what's wrong. I'm not called to be a voice in the world to bring judgment, but to bring love and grace. But I'm called within the maturity of my faith to know what God says and to live my life. It says in verse 15, instead, here it gives the alternative for that way of living. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow 
to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, not judgment, love. Not condemnation, grace. Not pointing the finger, living it out. Being an example as each part does its work. How is the body of Christ built up as each part does its work? How do we do our work? By living our life worthy of our calling, humbly, gently, patiently, bearing with one another in love, united together in peace, that we're experiencing the grace of God as we grow in our gifting, as we stretch our capacity, discovering how we are made, what we are made for, but growing in unity and maturity in our faith in Jesus Christ. He's the head. He's the head of his church. And yet he's called the body. Each one of us, each ligament, each part, we grow, we become together. That's how the church is built here on earth. And it's the church that Jesus has sent. Jesus says, there is one day when I will come again. And in my place, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, he equips and empowers his church. This is it. We are the body. He's called to be together to find fulfillment and help others fulfill their calling. Hey, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Right now as we... Just in that picture, the body and the head. Maybe you've become separated from the head. Maybe you have stopped being led by Jesus as the head, as Lord of your life, Lord of your career, Lord of your finances, Lord of how you parent, how you engage with your spouse. And you have maybe concocted your own philosophy and way of doing things and this is me and this is who I am and at times we can justify ourselves based on our past or our education or our makeup and yet God is calling you to surrender to him and he is the Lord of your life. You are not the Lord of your life. And he is the one who's called you heavenward. He is the one who's given you a calling. He is the one who's given you every single gift that you have and he's called you to fulfill it. So I wonder with me, if you've been separated from the head, if you've not truly given your life to Jesus, or maybe you feel like you've taken some parts back, I wonder would you just pray this very simple prayer with me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. Become the head of my life. The Lord of my life. I have sin in my heart, and I need your forgiveness. Today I believe that I am forgiven. I am set free. I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just with your head bowed and eyes closed, just for a moment, maybe you're in that place. There's a talk about fulfillment. Maybe you're experiencing unfulfillment, discontent. A sense of chaos, not clarity. Confusion, not not certainty. Maybe you're just like in that place where 
You've just been walking and going because that's all you know what to do. And God's calling you just to pause and to reorientate yourself. And he wants to pour out to you, truly reveal to you the calling that he's given you and the grace that, that will support it and empower you. And if that's you today and you want it, you just, you're in that place where you desperation maybe. I just need an answer from God. I need a word from God to know that I'm doing what he's called me to do or to change or to stop or pause or start whatever it is and if that's you would you just put out your hands before you just, just between me and you and God just right now in this moment just your hands before you I want to pray with you right now God just those of us with our hands open our hearts open would you speak to us Would you reveal to us just your word, word and spirit, that it would just be prompted right now to know exactly who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. I pray, God, that you would give words of clarity and confirmation. Just give us peace in our hearts. It may not be answers or results or solutions, but just peace. Give us your peace. Give us your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, well, let's just, just stand to our feet and we're just going to finish and worship. Just with one final song.